Yeah, so that rewindshow.com would be good. Okay. Or that rewind.show. Then dot com. Okay. I don't know, are people over dot coms these days? No, they're not. Dot com is still the number one hot property. I know, but that's bollocks. You're just old-fashioned. It's why you want a TV show instead of a YouTube channel. You know, you should just you need a YouTube channel. You're not going to get a no. TV show. I'm not going to let some other bastards make money off my creative work. No, you make money off it. That's the whole not idea. They, you don't. That's the thing. That's how they sucker you in. It's them that makes the money. You know, you don't make bullshit. You do. Very a tiny, a tiny, infinitesimally small proportion of YouTube posters actually I don't make any it, money. I of think you need the, about eighty or. You need no, like, followers to watch your shit, but you do make money. Like, there, um, there are YouTubers like on there that do it as their full-time job. Like that Charlie Beach guy who wanders about Manchester, he doesn't have a job, that's what he does. And that's Yeah, I know that. I know, I'm not saying there aren't people, I'm not saying people aren't making money. I'm saying it's like the music industry or the writing industry. It's like any other industry. There's, for every one person you see with a million bucks, there's a million that have one buck. Yeah, that's I know that. I know, that's because people post their shows and they do fuck all else. You can't just post it. <laughs> no, it's not why. You need to do work. They do things, they work on it, they market. You just, you wouldn't believe the volume, the sheer volume of stuff there is on YouTube. If you start looking uh, at things, like if you really start yeah. surfing for shit. I mean, just you think about it. picked up by their algorithm. When have you ever gone past the first page of search results, either in Google, YouTube, any other thing? You just don't. Amazon I do a wee bit because I don't tend to yeah well, do. on on Amazon I sometimes do yeah but, but you're um, right people don't but That's nothing right. else but nobody else is going to be searching for synchronicity synchronicity around synchronicity. Tape, whatever the fuck it is <laughs> no that's nobody right I mean I I've, that, so... I've made peace with the fact that I'm not doing this to make money I know that but at the same time I'm not giving it away for free because I think it's really unhealthy um like Creatives giving their work away for free has been going on for decades and decades, ever since we had bands and musicians and and, uh, artists and all the rest of it, just creative work just being treated, whether it's writing or anything else, just being given away for free is one of the biggest mistakes our culture ever made. No, I, I understand that, but you still need to find an audience. The audience can't find you in order to trust you enough to pay money for you if you don't have anything anywhere. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'll, I'm going to post promotional stuff, but I'm not going to be posting whole shows or entire songs or anything like that. People will get snippets and then if they want more, they can pay. But they can come to my website and they'll pay, a, um, there'll be a paywall, but the paywall will be very low, like five bucks a year or something like that. Yeah, you'd make so, more money off YouTube with advertising. Yeah, I don't think so. But we'll you see. definitely would. You would. You don't even need that many followers. I'm sticking to my guns. Let's go then. All right. I did. I already did the theme tune. Do you not remember? Oh, I know. Well, this isn't a show. <laughs> I'm Simon, and you're Jamie. Yeah. Um, we're the Chicken Brothers. Uh, doing. Uh, doing. We're Better not the Call Chicken Saul. Brothers. We're from. We we're... that name in season one. <laughs> we're Saul Rewind. We're Saul Part Rewind of that, from. That rewind show. That rewind show, yeah. Um, you know that. These one. episodes really depressed <laughs> me. Well, I mean, 
yes, it's definitely sad, and there's definitely there's okay. So if we're getting into it, then yeah, I want to. The second watch there, I noticed the theme, and the reason why I noticed it was because it was in my mind from yesterday. And the theme is ostracization, being ostracized, which um, I have thoughts about, and I want to prattle a little bit about it. Shall we get into the show though, and then I'll prattle um, as we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. I feel like a bit of background here. So the show's set in 2003. We know that because Jimmy says to Kim um, at one point, he says, um, the relaxathon 2003. And, yeah, um, right. and uh, we are recording in 2022. Uh, we're recording in February 2022, a couple of years into the pandemic. Um, and although the show set in 2003, um, I imagine season three was probably filmed. When would it have been filmed? I have no clue. Was it pre-pandemic? Season three, yes. Or was it during? It was definitely pre- season, Yeah, this is season six is coming out. It was supposed to be out last year. So. All right, yeah. So there's some interesting stuff going on here. Um, here in Canada in February 2020, 2022. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 2015. There's, okay, there's a trucker was, protest going on. So go ahead. Yes, that's right. That was the season one was 2015. So season three is 2018. Okay, so this even precedes Twin Peaks to return, I think then. Okay, that's good to know. Um, so yeah, um, to, so yeah, in 2020-22, um, there's a trucker protest going on in Canada and it's a big deal. It's in the news. And what the truckers are protesting is um, the vaccine mandate. The government introduced a requirement for any truckers crossing the border to be vaccinated. And so there's all these big protests. But uh, without going into who I support, um, yesterday I I was reading um, some news on it and how um, it's dividing, it's, it's, it's splitting relationships and dividing people and how um, certain people are, some people are cutting ties with anyone. And it may be happening in reverse too, I don't know. But what was highlighted was that people who are against the protest right, are cutting ties with friends or family members who are for the protest. Um, and this cutting ties with people, it brought to mind to me the theme of um, ostracization, right? So take yourself back to a time when human communities were relatively small. And uh, I have a theory about this, you know, people, um, people adopt the beliefs of their community, but why did they do that, right? We know that's true. Like if you grew up in a Christian town, you're going to, with yeah. a Christian family, you're going to be a Christian. If you grew up in a Muslim one, you're going to be a Muslim. It's, yeah. it's, it's a no brainer this, right? You just, you adopt the beliefs of your community, but why is it so important to do that? Well, the reason is because human beings are social creatures, right? We are communal creatures. Yeah. We don't survive well on our own, okay? And in fact, yeah. for most of our early life, we're completely dependent on the community. Children can't find their own food and hunt you know, for things. They're completely dependent on the surrounding community for their survival. So that's why it's so important for us to adapt to the community that we find ourselves in. And one of the ways we do that is through beliefs. We agree. We just naturally believe everything that our community peers believe because it's very, very important for a community that everyone's on the same page, um, right? So yeah. that, that's a bit of the background. 
So what happens whenever someone commits crimes or um, they fall out of line with their community is the community ostracizes them, essentially. So what can happen is that the person essentially gets kicked out of the community, right? Yeah. That's it, you know, fuck you, you know, you're, you're too much trouble, you're bad news, you won't adapt to our ways, and we're kicking you out. And so that's sort of what ostracization is at its root form. But this business of um, cutting ties with people because they disagree with you is a is a is the same form. It's a, it's a it's a new form of not it's not new. It's a form of ostracization, right? It's as if there's one community and they're thinking a certain way, and anyone that doesn't fit into that set of beliefs gets kicked out. You know, and I'm defriending you. This is the <laughs> I'm unfriending you. This is the ostracization that's happening here. And then, so that was all on my mind yesterday. And then that's this was after watching the um, after doing my first watch of these shows back last week. It didn't occur to me, but then I realized that there's a strong theme of ostracization going on in these yeah, two episodes. Sure. Um, so it's uh, it's sort of um, in my mind, and that's why. So as we go through the show, I guess I will just point out where I see it. Would be the best thing probably to do. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's my pre-show sure. prattle. Yay! <laughs> You're like the opposite of uh, the opposite of that fucking talk show host that always did his final thoughts. What Jerry Springer. <laughs> you always do your preamble that's right uh so season three episode nine uh the the title of the episode is fall and we open up with uh same day present day opening sequence rather than the historic like a flashback yeah. um and we have Saul visiting sandpiper crossing um to see his old pal mrs landry Irene Landry making a comeback after she went and fought for Jimmy at the bar hearing. Here Jimmy is bringing her cookies and uh, to see her because he wants the deal. He wants the details of the settlement offer from Sam Piper. Yeah, because he's hard up for cash and uh, he's thinking about that money and wondering what's holding up the process. It's a big chunk of change. Um, yeah. So he wants the details of the offering that's on that he baked the cookies and he decorated them like kitties, especially for her cats. They reminded him of her cats. And uh, yeah, he wants the cash. Although he didn't bake the cookies, he bought them at his store. And said I he know. He said and he baked them. <laughs> you must think that old lady's very silly. It occurs to me that um, Sandpiper Crossing, the crossing is about crossing over to the other side. Do you think so? It's like you're all, it's just like it's like the holding zone. <laughs> <laughs> so they're waiting to cross over. That's right. It's the whichever, waiting room. whichever place they're going after. It's the waiting That's room. Right. Fucks. I thought you meant crossing the line from the good to the evil, which is what Jimmy's Probably. doing here. He's crossing true. the line. That's uh, true. Maybe that's what they're getting at. Yeah, for sure. So she shows him his letter, the letter. He's surprised that she hasn't taken it. He definitely wants his money, but she has to get out of there. She's got Cherry Yoga to go to. And we see right. Jimmy then leaving, working out how much he's owed, and it's a million and change. And um, he right. figures he's not coming to him, and now he just desperately wants that money. Yep. Must be nice having a million dollars coming to you. I know. Imagine what, what would that's you do? Like. What would you do for a million? <laughs> <laughs> what would I do with the million, or what would I do <laughs> for it? <laughs> no comment <laughs> yeah. yeah um what would you do for a million 
Oh God, I don't know. Probably a lot of things. Would you sell your granny? No, I wouldn't do that. No. Are you sure? I would do anything for a million, but I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Poor meatloaf. meatloaf died. I know. He's crossed over. I know. I love that. Um, that. Whenever I was in Dominican, we did um, <clears throat> for drama class. We did Back to the Future in half an hour, but we couldn't really do it. It was crap. But um, but instead of using Johnny Be Good, because I don't think we had it on tape, we used um, Bad Out of Hell. <laughs> so I did a whole um, Marty McFly routine for Bad Out of Hell instead of Johnny Be Good. Oh my God. Fucking sacrilegious, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. Back to the Future in half an hour. Uh, Weird, coincidentally, um, I was with Brendan yesterday and he was, we had picked up one of his buddies and his buddy happened to play um, Johnny Be Good. Or was it Brendan played it? Yeah. So you don't hear it very often, but there you go. Oh, on the on his um on his phone, yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, so we cut from there to Mike at a company called Madrigal. So this is Mike meeting um Gus's associate. Um, did you so did the, you have to look up her name? I didn't look up her name. Should what I? What do you think it is? Name? What do you think it is? Uh, did you write it down? Not in this scene. I might have written it down in another scene. I just wrote down female associate, so I must well, have caught her. I wrote down Ladira Dark Whale. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. It's like, what is her name? Ladira Dark Whale? I'm like, fuck me. It's like some kind of Scooby-Doo character or um, James Bond villain, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, she makes an appearance twice because but, Mike says her name in episode 10. Actually, her name is yes. Lydia Rodart okay. Quail. Lydia <laughs> Rodart Quail, which to my ear sounded like Lydia Dark Quail. So I'm just going to call her Lydia Dark Quail. She says enough. it in a. She says like Lydia with Dark Quail. That's what she says. Just Lydia with Dark Quail. She just says it quickly. <laughs> yeah, Lydia with Dark Quail. Lydia Rodart. 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 Lydia <laughs> what kind of fucking name is this? How do they think this shit up? Not only do they call her Lydia Rodart Quail, but it's the Deer with Dark Quail. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. Anyway, Lydia, fuck's sake. So he arrives to meet with Lydia. He's in this really ultra modern office and um, he gets called up. He's being um, put on the books as an employee of this company on behalf of Gus. So this is Gus's connection to get his money laundered for him. Um, so he goes on to the um, books. They were going to make him. Um, a logistics consultant. Oh, that was it. Logistics. He's like, what's and logistics? Said, she says, really? she says you can, you people consult you on, on logistics or something like that. <laughs> and, yeah. I'm like, but, but logistics is one of those careers, isn't it? It's like import export. Like, so you yeah. ask someone what business you're in, so oh, I'm an importing and exporting. <laughs> that joke, that joke was in Seinfeld, and it's like, was it? Oh fuck me, I can't forget. Anyway, yeah hilarious it's one of those mystery jobs yeah. that nobody really knows what it is yeah yeah um so being hired on as a security consultant for 10k a month um was it 10k a month or 10k a week i think it's 10k a week wasn't it a week, i can't remember yeah, a week yeah and gus is gonna gus is gonna pay the taxes yeah um, so that means technically mike is on gus's payroll now so mike right. works for gus yeah but this is a, the, you made that connection I forget how much. Whenever she said it, 
No, he didn't. Um, I don't know how much it is here, but Jimmy, wanting the, the, the money is a big theme of these two episodes too. Jimmy's after his money from the settlement. Mike is after his money. Um, and there's a, there's another theme. Ostracization is part of it, but retirement and how, how it relates to retirement as well, you know. Um, but Mike is looking for his money here. But instead of retiring at his age, he's going to be working for Gus. Yeah. Um, who he says is a drug dealer. And Ladira Darkwheel says, um, if you think he's just something like this, if you don't, if you think he's just a drug dealer, then you don't know Gustavo Fring. <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, he's clearly not just a, a very shitty character. Yeah. Um, I think she said 10 weeks, he, he would be done in 10 weeks, I think is what she said. So that's about $200,000 that Mike is okay. getting. Right. Yeah, so we cut to Howard and Chuck at um, HHM. So they're meeting with the insurance company and they want to triple or double the premiums. Isn't that what it was? So double they want to double the premiums, not just and for Chuck, lawyers. but for every single lawyer. That's right. Every lawyer that um, is employed. And they also want to give Chuck a babysitter. So they're not happy for Chuck to do his work alone. Babysitter with them. Another senior management babysitter to um, go to court with them, to go to meetings with them, to mark his homework. Um, quite the insult. Like, would you not be really annoyed if you were in Chuck's position? I can definitely see why Chuck is upset by this. <clears throat> I mean, it's a bit of a, it's a reality check for Chuck, really. It's a bit of a slap in the face. It's like, you know, and hard. Yeah. Um, who's always been trying to do the right thing for the firm is put in a difficult position. And I think he takes reasonable action of suggesting to Chuck that he retire. Yeah. Yeah. He says, you think it's time to hang up your spurs in the nicest way possible. But Chuck That's just right. can't, you know, Hard's one of these people that um, he's very civil. He's good at the social graces, right? Yeah, it's like, definitely um, is. Yet some of those people that are just very good at handling others in a professional socially accept no it's not socially acceptable what's the word i'm saying it's like an etiquette almost yeah they have a good social intelligence like he knows that he can't yeah. just say to chuck's time to retire he has to build it into something else so it isn't that it's time to yes. retire it's that you've got a friend they've both got a mutual right. friend at the local university and wouldn't it be great to go off and join him as a lecturer at this university you know so it's yeah almost using chuck into retirement but chuck fucking hates that idea yeah instead of playing along with this uh with the with the etiquette chuck is just like nope <laughs> he's not done with that he's immediately pissed yeah, off yeah that's and, right uh, off he goes yeah he definitely is his heart <laughs> <laughs> yeah and hard said that like they argued whether it was about the insurance like chuck thinks that this is a very extreme reaction to the insurance company and hard's like well it isn't just the insurance company yeah. you know again it's like chuck not understanding the total reality and mm -hmm. the insurance company was just the straw that broke, broke the, the camel's back. That's right. Um, and then Chuck had a mini outburst and he grabbed the lamp off the table and everything mm -hmm. else. So, yeah. Starts to shake. Yeah. Uh, so we cut from that scene to Kim. So Kim is at the Texas border with her pal um, Gatwood. from Gatwood. Yeah. Who, is that who his name? Be yeah, you'll be delighted to know that Gatwood, Mr. Gatwood, is Hank Jennings from Twin Peaks. Oh, is he really? Uh, he... 
<laughs> Simon finds a way to get Twin Peaks into the conversation. Yes, he. Uh, oh, what's his name? I should have written down the actor's name. Oh, that's so rude. Oh, I'm sorry. I forget the actor's name, but he plays Hank Jennings in uh, the first, the first, uh, the early Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is the nineties. Um, okay. Uh, uh, he's. I don't think he he doesn't make a return, and um, I don't think he makes a return in, in the return. Um, spoiler: Not all the characters from the original Twin Peaks are in the return. Some are sorely missed, but um, but yeah, I was totally happy to see old Hank there. Very good. I found my Twin Peaks box set. I was um, oh. going through. I'm in stage two of my clear out now, so I've done. Um, books and toys and shit, and now I'm doing DVDs. So that did the didn't make the cut. So well, it did make the cut, so it's being kept, so I can watch it. But yeah, yeah. I tried to watch it one time before and just couldn't get through it, but I'll try again. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not really down with giving things away, as you know. I made my argument for keeping that value in the family in a prior conversation, perhaps not on this show, but what the hell? The reason why I bring it up is because it did come up yesterday. I had a nice little bit of um, synchronicity. Um, I'm not going to go into it in detail, but anyway, um, I found this weird old document from the University of Alberta or Saskatchewan or something like that, where they were, it was like from 1973, which is the year right before I was born, and they were talking sort of, and then they were talking about things the library had achieved over a, a period of time, and um, <laughs> one of the things they achieved was they bought this, they bought this old collection of personal papers <clears throat> from some some individual, a woman, actually her name is Ellen, or I remember thinking, oh, Ellen, Eileen, or something, it's very similar. But yeah. then, um, and uh, they were really pleased with this collection that they purchased. And I just thought, well, it's interesting. This is kind of what I was echoing my thoughts on keeping value in the family, because Eileen was just telling me she's getting rid of a whole load more books. I mean, right, okay. I can sort of, I can sort of see getting rid of, of books that, like you were saying, your Stephen King books. I mean, they're so ubiquitous and so yeah they're not worth anything they're not really worth anything that's true i mean i'm not sure i Stephen K Stephen charity shops oh, yeah 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 no i get that but then um but then getting rid of old books that are that have some sort of some value that um whether it's an aesthetic value in terms of the just the pure appearance of the book or the layout or something or whether it's the story if it's a classic or what kind of book it is or if it's part of a set you know to me there's a, more reasons to keep things than there are to give things away and and that yesterday just sort of reflected my own thoughts that these things do have value ultimately and also it was it was coincidental because i've been planning to start my own website i'm going to buy a url actually I'm buying wowsimon.com. <laughs> Is Wow Jamie available? You need to buy um, me a wow I don't know. If, if Wow Jamie, <laughs> you going online to check. I'm going to check. I want to check. Incredibly, Wow Simon is available, so I'm buying it today, actually. Let me see. I'm going to use it to put all my a lot of my thoughts on that as i was saying earlier i'm not going to be giving all my thoughts away for free but i am going to have a free section that will have some writing on it some blogging some ideas yeah um and i was reflecting a lot i was telling brendan about it and how um, you know <laughs> well jamie's available and by my perfect Jimmy. <laughs> good um and then uh you know 
how and then this coincidence with the the, the women's papers being recovered being you know purchased by the library and how and you know a lot of stuff you write has value or a lot of stuff you think like i want my thoughts and shit to be available for my kids so they can know things and who i was and so yeah. that they don't go into the world sort of as as green as i was i mean i was fucking naive as fuck whenever i entered the world and over time i didn't learn from my mistakes i just kept repeating them over and over again yeah and i sort of want to have some wisdom you know some of the shit that i've realized over time available for them so that you know they have a context you know when things happen in their own lives they can learn from the fact that other people have been through similar things it's really i don't know i think it's important to communicate who you were to your kids um yeah you know, I think so. for me it is it's not morally obligatory but for me it's something i think i have to do for sure and it's like you never like if you think about society of the past you know when people grew up in, as cavemen or in villages or these little hamlets ruled by like the lord of the manor and everything else children were taught everything that they needed to know by their parents they were taught the tools of the trade they went out and worked and everything yeah. else but actually the life and work and, and, and surviving employment is not passed on from parent to child. In That's fact, right. it wouldn't be spoken about. So how to manage a difficult boss, what to do if you get into a big pile of shit at work, yeah. how not to piss people <laughs> off. You know, yeah. all that kind of stuff is not taught anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What yeah. to say to your boss not to completely fucking enrage them. That's <laughs> right. And people don't really talk about the embarrassing mistakes that they've made either. And so that yeah, means that when you right. make an embarrassing mistake, you feel like even bigger asshole. Because yeah. like, you, but what you don't realize is that other people make these horribly embarrassing mistakes too. So they just don't yeah. talk about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. So I'm going to buy wildjimmy.com. Check it okay. out, listeners. Very good. <laughs> I can't wait to see what the box of delights you're going to have in store for us at wildjamie.com. <laughs> oh, God. Who knows? Anyway, where did we get to? We were talking we were, about... Um, Hank, Kim went to see Hank Jennings, uh, sorry, Mr. Gatwood, at uh, his yes. oil, and she's discussing... Um, uh, she's going to... She suggests to him that he pays off the uh, other state... Um, uh, instead of having to pay taxes which will be a big savings for him and he's really happy yeah. because his his pumps aren't on in the other state but the oil well yeah. crosses over the state border and so the other state wants a chunk of the money everyone wants some money in this episode um and so uh he's really pleased with kim but he has to dash off and then kim in a, in some uh foreshadowing gets her car stuck in the sand and yeah. uh, when she pushes the, the car out of the sand, it rolls towards one of the pumps and she manages to jump mm -hmm. in and hit the brakes just before it crashes. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, not a terribly badly stuck car in the sand. Uh, in fact, it's unbelievable that she wasn't able to just drive straight off whenever you saw it. <laughs> had to totally yes. another, let's suspend disbelief and believe for a second that Kim's car was actually stuck. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, you're right. So a bit of foreshadowing there. She managed to jump in. Um, and save our cars in time. You know, I realized we had Mike digging the holes in the desert the other episode too. It's like now we've got oil well yeah. holes. You know, it's like holes in the sand seem to be a thing for these writers. I, I don't think that's connected. You no, it's connected. 
I don't know. They're always doing these weird connection kind of things, like later when Kim yeah. actually does crash her car. Um, yeah. Her paper yeah, yeah. is all over the desert in these white squares, just dotting the landscape. And Jimmy has to go oh, pick up her rectangles. papers. Rectangles. <laughs> Jimmy has to go pick up her papers. Um, whenever yeah. in the other episode, he was picking up paper underneath the bridge doing his community service. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. There's all these, it's like a hall of fucking mirrors. This, have I said that before? He's always tidying up the fucking side of a highway, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. In this yeah. in this season. Yeah, so from there we cut to Jimmy. Jimmy in the parking lot of HHM. So he's underground in the parking lot and he intercepts Hard on the way to the office. Hard thinks he's there to talk about Chuck, but he isn't. So he's like, what are you talking about? Um, and he's pressuring Hard to, it's time to sell Sandpiper. Um, yeah. And Hard, of course, sees straight through him. She, he knows exactly what Jimmy wants. Yeah, earlier when you said um, the people in the in the in the Hamlet all being uh, lorded over by the Lord of the Manor, I totally thought oh, you were going to yeah. say Lord of the Rings. <laughs> 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 and here, Hard says to uh, Jimmy, "It's like talking to Gollum because um, Jimmy yeah, just has a right. one-track mind. As far as Hard's concerned, he wants he's willing to do anything to get the money, and that's like Gollum. Gollum will do anything, nothing, everything, including murder, to get the ring." And uh, Jimmy has fallen just short of murder so far, but he, um, but what he's going to do actually, you see, oh yeah, this gets back to my point, ostracization, you know, whenever um, a person was ostracized from a community in the past, that's yeah. basically, that's basically killing, right? Because a human being doesn't really survive well on their own. So when you kick someone out of a community, it's almost like a murder. It's like a killing, right? Because yeah. without the community, the human being is basically dead, nothing lifeless, um, like a real golem um so so yeah um but yeah hard reads jimmy instantly um and uh, he's right of course because jimmy does just want the money and now jimmy's on a, a bad boy bender right now where he's he's in he's in slipping jimmy mode and yeah. uh, he, he's he's involved in this guilt-free um uh plan to uh get his money yeah yeah it is. It's sad to see this kind of decline in Jimmy. You know, I think this is one of the worst things that he's probably done. Certainly. Yeah, up there. for um, sure. Totally. Horrible. Um, yeah, terrible. So we cut from there to Hector and Gus. So they're waiting for a call from the cartel. So it's Hector, Gus and all their cronies are sitting around the table in some random cow shack or something. And yeah. uh, they pretty much they've made a decision that Gus is going to be the only drugs runner across the border. And Hector gets really pissed off. Yeah, um, and he pretty much refuses to do it. Yeah, similar kind of thing was going on here. Um, uh, with with Chuck with Charles Chuck's um retirement. Um, Chuck's being encouraged to retire, and Hector yeah. is being downgraded in the organization because he's getting old and his organization isn't running as well as Gus's, and so he's somewhat being sidelined. This is like um, <clears throat> it's the same kind of theme. The theme of ostracization is in both these questions because retirement. Uh, it's not deliberate ostracization, but it has the same um, tone because you, to the unconscious, it's very similar because you've been with a community of peers and colleagues for a long time. And then when you retire, you leave that community. And so unconsciously, um, I think it is like a, it may seem to like the unconscious, like you've been ostracized, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, because you're separated sure. from your community. And then the question is a lot of people struggle with retirement. They don't know what they're going to do because 
they've been doing the same thing they've been part of a community their whole lives and suddenly they're yeah. like hey out you go and here um <laughs> yeah out with the old and with the new and that's sort of what's happening to Hector here as well both very similar circumstances so Hector sees that um he has brought up the business he has built the business um just like Chuck says family. about HHM yeah just like Chuck at HHM, he sees that that's a business that he's built and they're both being edged out by the younger, um, the younger, newer, fresher barons, mm. <laughs> drugs <laughs> baron and, and yep. legal baron. So yeah, so uh, they get the call. Hector gets really pissed off. He loses his temper. He has to take a few pills. Everybody's kind of on the edge of their seats. Like, is this going to be it? Is Hector on his way out? But no, nothing happens. Um, he says, fuck Bolsa and fuck you. And off he goes. Um, <laughs> and then we cut from, we cut to the mall. Jim at the mall, wearing, working the seniors, um, the mall walking seniors. Uh, <clears throat> he's wearing a nice white track suit. Um, and uh, he's got these lovely shoes. Um, now his big, uh, his big, scam that he's going to run on Irene and the, uh, yeah. the Sandpiper old folks um, is beginning and uh, he's there's a little a somewhat montage here there's he, he gives he has bought a whole ton of shoes just so he can have the right size to um, give to Irene. Irene so that um, she this is part of the ostracization plan he's going to get Irene ostracized from her social group because she is the one who gets to make the decision on the sandpiper settlement. She's the class representative, yeah. that's what they call her. And uh, she, she's been encouraged by Davis and Maine to hold out for a larger settlement, but Jimmy wants his money. He doesn't want to wait. So he's going to get Irene that's ostracized great. so that she will sign on the dotted line, take the settlement. Jimmy gets his money and he's willing to, um, he's willing to damage Irene's social standing with her peers in order to do that. Yeah, as you were saying, probably one of the worst things Jimmy's done here is hurt this yeah, old lady definitely. and exploit her vulnerabilities. Yeah, um, and the first the first step of that is these trainers. So he gets her the trainer so that he can use that as a tool against her whenever he, mm -hmm. he meets them later with the old ladies. He talks about the trainers that she bought and how maybe she doesn't need the money and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, very sad. Yeah. And he uses a bunch of peanuts to illustrate um, how much the law firm's getting and how much they're all getting in the settlement. That's right. So get. that's whenever he meets with the others. So after he meets with Irene, you then cut the scene where he's meeting with the other ladies without Irene being present. Isn't that right? She's not yes. there. And he's talking that's about right. the settlement and pretty much, um, I think they're surprised that there has been a settlement offer. I'm not sure that they were aware that there had been a settlement offer or not. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so he's illustrating basically how the mathematics works and how if they hold out, they'll get a tiny little bit extra, but the lawyers will get a big chunk of extra change. That's right. And he starts to work on them <clears throat> in terms yep. of um, turning them against Irene. Yes. Um, so again, the theme of ostracization coming about here, but this is... This is direct, though. This is not subtle or a metaphor or anything like that. But um, um, yeah, it's purposeful exclusion from the community. And as we were just talking about, that kind of exclusion is as good as death, basically. Um, yeah. So um, so here we go. Um, then we're off to Nacho and his dad, uh, being uh, where he uh, introduces the idea of uh, um, Don Hector coming to take over the business and use the property at night. For the drugs 
um, and his dad right. uh, says to Ignacio, um, Nacho says, please, por favor, which I just love the Spanish way of saying, please, por favor. It's like for a favor, for a favor. <laughs> yeah, Do yeah. me a favor. I love it. Um, uh, <clears throat> and uh, again, with the ostracization as um, Nacho's dad says, get out of my house. Yeah, I thought it was quite an interesting scene because you see Nacho arrives at his dad's house quite late at night unexpectedly. So his dad is immediately like, what are you doing here? And he's sitting at the table with a glass of milk of all things. So it's almost like this regression to childhood where he's at the table with a glass of milk there to ask for his dad. Only this time he's asking his dad to do him a favor and to, to bend to the will of the cartel. Um, so yeah, I thought that was quite interesting how they put that together. Yep. Um, and he gets chucked out sad times yep. Yep. and then we cut from there over to hhm <clears throat> and this was um a letter has arrived so we see howard with a group of people they head off and um, maybe the senior partners and howard gets a letter from chuck via messenger um, and he gets all excited because he thinks that chuck has had a change of heart and this is him retiring this is the letter confirming his retirement and they're planning mm -hmm. he's planning a big party and everything else but actually chuck is going to sue them <laughs> <laughs> He's decided to see classic to see Chuck. HM. Yeah, <laughs> classic Chuck is going to litigate, um, yeah. not just the firm but Howard as well. So, um, Howard takes off to see Chuck, so he arrives at Chuck's house, and uh, we see all the lights are on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Chuck's putting on a big show of how well he is getting, um, to try to appear yeah. normal. Um, but of course, I mean, his 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 wellness, his appearance of wellness that he's trying to construct is construct is betrayed by the fact that he's suing the firm, which which hard who knows Chuck hard knows Chuck. Obviously, he's they've been colleagues for 17 years. So even hard didn't see this coming. And um, yeah. that that's a big tell that this is Chuck. He's losing it. And uh, and uh, hard seems to realize that. Uh, so hard's going to stick to his guns throughout this whole thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> and Chuck's like, You can't kick me out of the firm. It reminds me of that scene. And no, it's a Tenacious D song. Uh, oh, was it you can't? No, no, it's in School of Rock where his song is, you know, his buddies kick him out of the band. He's like, You cannot kick me out of what is mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, Chuck calls Howard's bluff and says, fine, okay, if that's what you want, you just have to buy me out. It's going to cost you a million dollars. And of course, there's not that kind of money lying around. So, um, which Chuck knows, he knows that Howard can't really gather that kind of cash. Um, and he makes a quite, quite a snide remark that if he, if he, um, if this is how he behaves as Chuck's partner, he definitely doesn't want to find out. Howard definitely doesn't want to find out what he would be like as an enemy. Yeah, well, a couple of lines there. Maybe it was from the boardroom scene, actually. Um, we had the lamps in the boardroom. Charles, uh, Chuck actually reaches out directly and grabs one of the lamps to try to show hard that he's all right. That was, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, you mentioned that actually, shaking. And then uh, he says he's better. <laughs> and um, I think it's $8 million is is the sum. Is that not what I said? Did you say it? Sorry, maybe. Yeah, I thought you said it. I don't it know. I thought I said it. You probably did. It probably just cut out for a tiny, tiny instant, making it sound like, ah. Oh, right. Okay. No, um, eight million. Yeah. 
So, sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that. I think there were a couple of times in these three episodes where, where you know a character is about to go down the wrong path, but someone says something to them right beforehand that if they listen to that advice, they would choose a different path. It's almost like, it's almost like they're saying, well, we, well, you were told before you chose this path, you were told that there was another option, but you yeah. didn't take it. And um, Kim even brings that to the fore whenever, you know, Jimmy's sort of apologizing after her accident. She's like, no, it was me. It was my choice. I got into the car, um, blah, blah, blah. You know, she made the choice. She makes a very strong statement that she was responsible for her own decision. Yeah. Um, Whereas a lot of the other characters are just uh, flying around like uh, they're totally oblivious to the consequences. <laughs> yeah, they're like loose cannons. Yeah, yeah but here sure. Ch Ch Chard says, "Chuck, there's more to life than this," and uh, Chuck just needed to listen to that little bit of advice, and uh, yeah, things would have gone very differently. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned him grabbing the lamp as if to prove a point in the previous scene between Char Chuck and Howard. In this scene, it was this. this soup blender like he had a blender in his hand and was yeah. using it to blend up the soup so it's the same where he's trying desperately to prove that um he's better so yeah. from here we cut over to one of our favorites our favorite sets jimmy in the bingo hall from season two i think we had a big uh, a big focus on this bingo hall and this is where we cut to now as part of jimmy's ongoing scam to um, manipulate irene's friends into making her accept the settlement basically right yep so jimmy yeah. is the bingo caller dressed in his white suit with his stripy red tie yeah irene's yes. friends are really angry and they won't let irene sit with them and jimmy has um actually i've missed a scene that there's a scene just before this where jimmy is injecting the bingo balls with he liquid puts magnetic magnetic paint is that what it was i didn't yeah, catch what it paint. was he coats the inside of the balls with magnetic paint so that um, he can fix the game and uh, he puts a little magnet yeah. in the machine and um, that's how uh, Irene is going to win at bingo. There you go. So again, this is part of a scam. So he injected the balls mm -hmm. with the magnetic paint um, and is giving Irene, as part of the scene, he gives Irene a card which he has fixed so that she is the winner. Mm -hmm. Um, so before we get to that stage, we've got Paul who wins first. Irene arrives later after everybody else, and she's not allowed to sit down with her friends. Um, and as he sees her come in, he adds the balls into the machine and gets off in his jolly way. She, as she wins, nobody applauds for her. Everyone gives Paul a big round of applause, but nobody claps for poor Irene who, 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 who leaves the room because she's so heartbroken. Yeah. What a bastard. I know. Um, so yeah yeah jimmy's in full um evil persona mode here um not even a not even a hint of guilt um as all this is going down um and then he follows irene out of the room um, and she's really upset and she starts to tell him about what's been happening, how cold her friends are. They've been whispering about her, that they're so cruel. She doesn't mm -hmm. know what's wrong, why this has all happened. And Jimmy suggests that it's maybe because of the settlement, that they want the settlement to improve their lives. And um, Irene gets a bit upset and says, oh, well, nobody told me that. Um, and he said, maybe it's the idea that no one has considered them and their needs. Mm -hmm. And then she asks... Right. What would you do, Jimmy? What would you do? 
and he, and he tells says, her to listen to listen to your heart. Yeah, because <laughs> he can't give legal advice. This is the thing. He has to be. He's treading very carefully, um, because if he if he acts as a lawyer, then he'll permanently lose his license. I mean, this is another thing here. Jimmy is like, he's really um, he's up to some slimy stuff over the last couple of episodes, and yeah. <clears throat> particularly here. I mean, I just wonder. He's supposed to. He's supposed to um basically be a good citizen for a year. He's not allowed to do anything. Um, I don't know what the exact terms of the agreement were, but he's definitely not supposed to break the law. And I just wonder when, at what point is he breaking the law? I mean, there's a little bit of what's going on here. Is it actually illegal what he's doing? That's what concerns me about this. I think it is. I think he's, he's treading a very, very fine line. Um, because he can't really influence, he can't really influence them to take the settlement. It has to be their choice, you right. know. So I think that he risks, um, I think he risks his stake. So if he's found to be interfering, then he could potentially lose his million dollars. And I think yes. Howard says Howard says that at the start, like in that episode with between him and Jimmy in the parking lot, he said, "Well, I know you'll not do whatever it is, because then you'll risk losing your money." That's um, right. But yeah, as part of the agreement, you're right. He had to be a good citizen and maintain employment and all that kind of stuff. So I wonder right. when that will catch up to him. It's bound to catch up to him at some stage. But then um, we, we also know that he does become a lawyer, though. So, I mean, somehow he's going to weasel his, you know, weasel he just his way has out to, of it, I suppose. Well, he gets his license back after a year. The thing mm. with the suspension is separate to the the agreement. The money, the, Davis and Maine. Well, yeah, or, it's separate to that, ham, but it's ham, also separate to the suspended sentence. So the okay. Yeah, so I he automatically gets his license back after a year, but he could actually be put in jail if he breaks the conditions of his suspended sentence. Right, of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, from here we cut to Wexler McGill, um, and we see, <laughs> we see uh, poor old Kim frantically organizing herself to go off to this meeting with the oil baron, um, your mate, what's he called again? I've forgotten his name. Uh, Hank Jennings. Hank Jennings, yeah. AKA Gatwood, Mr. Gatwood. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's frantically putting the files together with Francesca. Francesca seems to be a really good legal assistant, actually. She's been quite supportive of Kim. We've seen her. Um, do quite well in this this couple of episodes mm -hmm. jimmy arrives with this brilliant news that it looks like sam piper is going to settle he's got like a bottle of booze the really posh tequila that they were both drinking zaferno mm -hmm. um and of course kim is totally distracted by what she's got going on that she's got this really important meeting and jim does or jimmy doesn't just doesn't understand why she won't pay attention to him mm -hmm. that he wants to celebrate and she doesn't really want to pay much attention to it she she said um, it doesn't make any sense that it's settled so early. Litigation should go on for years. Like, what do you mean it's settled? And um, yeah, again, this is like, we see the dark side of Jimmy where he just, he can't see outside of his own little bubble. Like to yeah. him, this is the moment to be celebrated and he's mm -hmm. almost offended that Kim doesn't want to partake in that celebration. And she's yeah. like, totally up to her eyes and is frantically trying to get these files put together, but he just doesn't see that. He just can't see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah completely blind you know? um yeah so then kim takes off and uh jimmy pours him and francesca a drink and uh yeah is that the yeah. end of that episode no kim crashes her car oh yes you're right shit 
Yeah, they're really well shot. I mean, fantastic. I didn't see it coming, I've got to tell you. Um, the first watch, I was surprised. Um, the camera stays on Kim. Any other show, you know, the cam we would have given we'd been given an outside shot of the car swerving off the road, um, some really cheesy, yeah. hammy um, uh, way of filming it. But here they've done it differently. They just kept the camera on Kim until the car was crashed and the um that's right and it was all i mean i don't know how they did the cutaway was really really good because she's got the um she goes from driving the car to be being uh crashed with cuts all and bruises all over her face instant cuts from the yeah um, the, the airbag exploding so you see the whole thing and it's just a it's really well done yeah, it was. It was a good. It was a good scene as she's driving along. She's rehearsing for a meeting, like she's going over her lines, and then just all of a sudden, boom, that's yep. it. She's, she's plowed the off the road and into a big rock. Yeah, it was kind of neat. They almost showed, in a way, they almost showed. I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but as she was rehearsing her lines and driving along, um, the background was blurred, but you could clearly see there was tons of trucks and cars, and she was driving through traffic, and then an instant later, she was crashed on uh, the side of the. Uh, I like it looked like an off ramp or an on ramp from the highway itself and the highway was off in the distance so actually what i think has happened there is we have the part where kim is blacked out has been blacked out for us too and it, yeah and it, it the way it skips is just um, real instant yeah know, from cars and traffic on the highway to empty road off the yeah. highway yeah, I'll have really to watch cool. it again. I didn't notice that the highway was off in the background. I know the road, there was like a two-lane road that was curved, but I didn't realize yeah. that the highway could be seen in the background. Yeah. I just wonder why there wasn't more help around, you know, like she's out staggering about, like where was everybody? But anyway, yeah. maybe it takes a few minutes for people to react. You know, the people behind her just can't believe what happened and they keep on driving well, and then it's people further back that stop to help her. Maybe nobody does. Maybe. There was there were no cars on the road, though. Like, uh, after she gets out of the car, there's no cars. No one. Yeah. The highway's way off in the distance and it's got cars and traffic, but the road she's on is just empty. And her papers yeah. are flying all over the place. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Poor old Kim. Scandalous. Yes, and I also feel like you know this is a bit of foreshadowing here, um, as well. I'm I'm pretty sure, but we'll see. Yeah, definitely. I don't Very want Kim to die, but for... me, me feels like the death of Kim is inevitable at this point. It's coming, uh, do you think? Yeah, totally, hundred percent. Well, she hasn't died yet. She well, hasn't died yet. Spoiler alert! Up to well, I can't remember actually if she died in season five, four or five. <laughs> don't, don't say anything i haven't seen it <laughs> <laughs> i don't think yeah. she did i think she's still alive but anyway okay well maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong but here we go moving swiftly along season three episode 10 uh i forget what it's called lantern lantern okay and uh, the opening sequence is uh, the lawyer mug falling and smashing on the ground that's and, right uh, and uh well, we have a flashback which, yeah we have a flashback to um, he's reading the book and I didn't check my notes to see what the book was called, did you? I meant to do that too, but I forgot. Fuck. But I knew it was Mabel. It's Mabel and something. Ah, Mabel, yeah. Um, she can talk to animals and stuff and she goes yeah, up to the mountain to see the good. animal fairy king or something, like some of that shit like that. But anyway, here Chuck's reading to Jimmy in the tent as their boys. A really touching scene. In the, in the last scene of the last episode, Kim crashes her car and here from the book, Chuck reads... Um, that the, the little girl is in some kind of trouble and Jimmy asks Chuck if she's going to be okay. So 
that's uh, yeah. talking both about the character in the book as well as Kim. And then we're right from that nice little sentimental scene um, over to uh, Kim and Jim in the hospital. Yeah, that's it. So Kim wakes up and Jimmy is there. Is she in hospital? Yeah. I thought that she was in... Oh, shit. Yeah, sorry. I'm reading the wrong page of my notes. <laughs> 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 so Kim is there, she's having her arm bandaged up, so her arm is broken and it's being bandaged up. Um, Jimmy arrives straight from the bingo hall, so he's still dressed in his white suit with his red sparkly tie, and uh, he asks when she's going to get out, and there's no serious injury, so as soon as her arm sets, she'll be good to go. And then we cut to Jimmy at the side of the highway with Kim waiting in the car as he gathers up all of the um, paperwork that's blowing around on the highway. It's the the paper in the sand, the sand paper. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like sandpiper. Yeah. Yeah. So Jimmy's picking up the sandpaper. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Kim is watching. Yeah, the white squares all over the road. See, I mean, you remember what you were saying? Like, it's just amazing how they, they pick up a motif, like having squares and rectangles everywhere in frames. And yeah. they just managed to find ways. The story just weaves it in somehow, you know? Yeah, it's the same it's... later on in this episode. The squares make a return above Kim's bed. So as she's waiting in bed, you see the That's squares. That's right. Like two rows of squares, almost like the shots above the headshots in the salon, it reminded me of. Yes. And then um, also she's framed. There's a bit of framing going on here. Jimmy's framed at one point too, but she's also framed the moment when she realizes she's going to, take a break um she's framed by a painting behind her on the wall oh yeah you know? yeah okay yeah jimmy's framed later too doing something i forget what it is maybe well, it'll come back to me the same in this scene she's framed by the windscreen of the car you see her behind jimmy in the car and she's framed right. by the windscreen um as he's gathering up the paperwork god what a job to do there's hundreds of pieces of paper like why bother yeah. you've got to wonder like what is so important in these documents yeah. that they have to gather them up you know, there's so much of this in this show. There's just so many things happen that you're like, in real life, this would take days, if not weeks. And yeah. they do it in a couple of hours. They do these incredible feats like moving, carrying boxes around, yeah. you know, vacating the office happened in a matter of minutes. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. I, you know, it's like there's so much time skipped. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If only life was really like that. that you could I just know. Wouldn't it be awesome? Maybe that's the superhero we should all fucking, the superpower we should all ask for is to be able to fast forward. I don't know if I'd want to rewind. Like, would you want to be able to rewind? I don't know. That's tricky. Oh, I can think of some experiences like to rewind and have over again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, to do again and not to change. I would be too tempted to change change things. And then you do. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the big danger isn't it i mean that's the problem with life is you know you you do these things that you in one way you, sh- you could look back on as a mistake but if you did anything differently you wouldn't end up with kids you have yeah being who they are and once you have these kids you're locked in yeah <laughs> you know what i mean you can't go back and change shit <laughs> it's a problem yeah that it is a problem it is a problem it's a problem nobody fucking wants you about well, I, it, I know that's true um but I did listen to a podcast recently where they were talking about this, and um, one of the um, one of the uh, the what's the word? Uh, the not myth. One of the I don't know the logical errors, I guess, with this concept of time travel. Oh yeah, they call it the grandfather paradox or something. Right. You could go back in time 
and uh, kill one of your grandparents before you, and then if you do that um, you would never be born but then if you're never born how could you go back in time and kill one of your grandparents right so yeah. it's called the I think it's called the grandfather paradox or something like that it's used to create effect in um in uh what do you call that show Futurama where Fry goes back in time yeah. I think he actually beds his grandmother and becomes his own grandfather <laughs> <laughs> That's something similar to what nearly happened to Marty McFly in Back to the Future when his mother has the hots for him. Yeah. Um, but in an actual reality, in the block universe, right, you can't change the timeline that you're in means that whatever happened, that if you went back in time, that this timeline already accounts for anything you could have done. Oh, yes. You see what okay. I mean? Yeah. So, but then, then that does limit you somewhat. You can't go back and change major things. Then I guess that um, because you just can't. It's, it's impossible in, in the great scheme of things. So, but I do does it account for anything that you are predestined to do, or anything that you could do? Any choices that you could make, or is it just that you, the choice is illusion and it's already determined that you'll make that choice? That's in the, the big question. Universe? I mean, uh, it's it's uh, that's that's one of the, the big philosophical conundrums about that. But then, no one's made up their mind if we really have free will or not. Um, that's an und, uh, that's an un even you know neuro, 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 neuroscientists, psychologists. There's no evidence about this. They don't know anything about actual consciousness, what consciousness is. So, so this is all a moot point. We just don't know. Is the answer yeah. at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Although we do know certain things, like I know, I, I think I know, um, and there's a good book out there called Time Loops by Eric Wargo. I haven't read it, but I'm led to understand that it's a good book. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about, um, he's he's somewhat of the expert on this time travel idea. He argues yeah. that, that a certain limited forms of time travel are possible, but they're only possible for tiny things. And I tend to agree. I think it's definitely possible for information to get back in time. There's no doubt about that in my mind because I have premonitions. I have premonition dreams. I have thoughts. I have ideas, and then they happen. Yeah. And so, I mean, to me, it's beyond a shadow of a doubt that information is somehow getting from my future brain to my to my brain in the past. I don't know if that. I mean, but then he's got a whole argument about how you can't you can't get information about something that happens and then change it because then it wouldn't happen and then you wouldn't have the information about it, right? So yeah. it, it's kind of pointless in a way because if you get that information from the future and then it happens, it's like, well, what, what could I have done? Yeah. Right? But then in string theory, right, the, 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 every time you make a choice, the universe splits in two. And yeah. One universe is created where one thing happens and the other universe is created another thing. That was Sheldon Cooper's idea in Big Bang Theory. But then he had to the big bang theory did this thing where sheldon had to change his 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 uh his focus in his research because it started to look increasingly like string theory was impossible in physics but oh, i read really? the other day that it's experiencing somewhat of a resurgence um <laughs> mind you i'm not a scientist and um, this is all babble to an extent so you've got string theory and block theory are the two two relatively big theories about how the universe behaves more or less, it's yeah. Structure. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where did we get to? What are we doing here again? I, Is this our time I, travel podcast? <laughs> <laughs> We've leaked into our Back to the Future uh, podcast. Podcast. Um, no. Um, 
yeah, where were we? I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, yeah, the white well, squares are on the highway. Again. The, <laughs> um, the paper's on the highway. Jimmy's picking it up. And then yes, that's off, right. off we go to Chuck at Hamlin Hamlin McGill with the lamps. <laughs> yeah, with and, the partners. Uh, so yeah, this the is part their big meeting with the partners. Yes, and uh, Chuck and Chuck firmly believes that his power play is going to work and that they're going to have yeah. a simple handshake. And uh, but nope, that is not going to happen. I it's just a really odd. I just find it really odd that Chuck would think that he has that he holds the power in this situation, mm -hmm. like the way he sits at the head of the table and he's almost like preaching to the to the rest of the the partners about how this is a place where no no firm wants to find themselves in this situation and you know i've got the way out of this it's just a simple handshake that's all it takes and then we'll be back on the road and uh it's just so delusional almost the same as jimmy like he suffers from the same delusions almost that jimmy does you know yeah. it's just mad that he thinks yeah. that heart's going to shake his hand and that'll be it over. He just doesn't see. He doesn't see what's happened. That's right. Yeah, totally. He's clearly lost it. And uh, but Hard is going to stand his ground. And Hard has um has uh, gathered together three million dollars, the first of three payments. He's used some of his own money as well as taking out some loans yeah. in order to pay Chuck off and get him out out the door. Yeah, and he tries to he tries to tell Chuck like he tries to show Chuck how ridiculous that it is you know yeah. he talks about how they've been in business together for 18 years and and it's just the very suggestion that he might want to think about retiring that this is how he reacts by suing yeah. the firm yeah is just totally fucking bananas like it's totally mad that this is the the extreme that you're you, that he's going to go to that Chuck's going to go to and um, right. not because of any other reason apart from personal vendettas like they're mm -hmm. in this position because chuck has has focused on his vendetta against jimmy for so long yep yep um so yeah hard gives him his money his first three million bucks and then he's um, shown the door um he tells chuck gathers... that he won i thought he that won, was really yeah. interesting but actually hard won this is hard winning chuck hasn't won he wanted to come back to work well, if Chuck had have retired, um, they wouldn't have had to pay him off, I would imagine. So he tells, yeah, he tells Hart he's Chuck he's won. He's because I guess he's getting what the settlement would be if it did go to court. But but yeah, I know it is odd, uh, an odd way to term it. And then uh um Hart's gathered the firm together to um to oh my Chuck God. goodbye. Yeah. And he's 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 uh a very public announcement very sudden yeah. and very public it's like don't be thinking there's any way back from this kind of thing this is it it's yeah. all in the public now you have retired it's official that's and, it uh, yeah and that's you know but this, in a way. yeah but this is the thing you know this is what i wanted to get at with this whole business of ostracization it's like um it's like a form of killing it's like a death and that's sort of what's happening here chuck is yeah. being kicked out of the firm and that was his life that was his community you know and so it's similar to what's happening with the truckers here you know that's the thing it's like i i don't want to express a position here necessarily not that i'm not that i'm uh, afraid or embarrassed to but um or worried about the consequences of supporting the truckers Just but it for our politics podcast I keep it for the politics <laughs> yeah i see this is the problem for me i can I, I really want to put my political ideas out there but my political ideas are a little bit um some people may not appreciate some of them and uh 
I mean, I'm not a right winger. I'm not a fascist. I'm not a racist. Uh, none of that stuff. Um, and I'm also not a leftist. I'm not a communist. But but there are certain there are certain things. You know, like here, what's what's sort of happened here is with people like unfriending people who support the truckers. Now, the truckers' protest is is problematic because there are some people who are there protesting in the in the, in the name of freedom because for the right reasons because the government is sort of taking an author authoritarian action with mandating that people get chemicals in their arms right um but there are some people there who are fascists there's some nazis there there's some swastika waving going on there's some yeah. you know hard right people there and it's those people those people get in and they poison it and you know it's a terrible thing but anyway but then because of that public perception it's just strange to me how quickly people are willing to oppress like to to take someone's rights away basically to take authoritarian steps you know it's like to, to people who unfriend people who support the truckers or you know the vaccine mandate to them is like a no-brainer it's like oh yeah we're just going to have a, a law that means that some people are going to get kicked out of their careers because they won't get chemicals in their arm. It's, it's an extreme form of blackmail. But is and, it not? I you know, don't think they still it. have a choice. They just can't cross the border. They can still drive a truck in Canada without getting the vaccine. They just yeah, can't go think into about the it. States and come back again. But think about it from an employer's point of view. If you yeah. were an employer and you had, and you're, you're running food across or whatever goods across the border in trucks, you can't hire someone who isn't vaccinated. So that person's going to lose their job potentially. Yeah, right. but if they're running when, food from the depot into Vancouver, then they can still work there. Um, not, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but but what I know is that that it's a serious issue if you yeah. if you end someone's career. See, it's a similar thing happening here with the truckers as with Chuck. If they the truckers, <laughs> <laughs> the truckers. Um, at risk of being ostracized if you lose your career you you let's say you've been trucking for 15 or 20 years you know you know everybody oh, yeah. on your roots you have colleagues and then the next thing you know um your career's upended it could potentially be over what are you going to do and yeah. so there's ostracization going on there um and and then there's ostracization going on with the people who are unfriending people who support the truckers right it's a it's a bad reaction and it, yeah and what what bugs me about the whole thing is that um sorry i'm getting on my high horse here is that it's 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 not people aren't realizing it seems to me that this is a subtle thing it's a it's not a no-brainer it's a very subtle and a, a, an issue that requires thought and contemplation um before you're going to start to take someone's rights away it's not just a a no-brainer knee-jerk reaction yeah obviously you're going to take people's rights away because like, people are dying and stuff so yeah no i mean it bugs me that that's what bugs me about the situation yeah and how easy it is for society to to go to take one step into an authoritarian yeah. direction and start forcing people to get drugs in their in their veins like it's like yeah and i'm pro-vaccination i'm pro-science i'm pro all of it but it's a complex issue and it just requires more subtlety like we live in a democracy we don't have to ostracize people because they have different beliefs than us that's what democracy does it means that we can live together and tolerate each other's views and have conversations without ostracization right? yeah so it's a shame you know, that's what i'm going to say do you not think that it's it's like that the protests themselves are a symptom are, are 
a symptom of a much wider thing. It, like most people, the protests aren't protesting about the truckers. It's about government overstep. And this is just That's one right. example of it. No, know? no, the truckers are the protesters. <clears throat> yes. Not they're, all they're, of them. They're protesters. They're not, not all, all truckers. They're not no, all, I know that. They're not all truckers. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, they no, started to protest. That's the point I'm making: is that it's about government um, overstepping its its. Uh, but its do you not think if if they if they had have just left it, like if the truckers had have just left it and maybe had a smaller protest or made their opinions known via their lobbying groups and everything else instead of doing this massive fucking protest that spans the whole country? That the government would have just come to its senses and realized that it's not going to work anyway like they did with the nhs they tried to force it through here with the nhs and they realized well fuck, if we make that the law then we're not going to have any staff in hospitals so we can't do it and they had to back down and well, it would they be did the same it in canada they would in realize canada, that no they, no in canada they just did it they did like uh i think it was quebec or somewhere i'm not sure i shouldn't talk without knowing the facts but we did have a province that mandated uh, the shop for healthcare workers and people did quit and lose their jobs yeah but with the truckers they would have realized that they can't do it because they won't have any truck drivers to fucking bring the food in and they would have they would have backed down they would have realized that it's not going to work they might have but they haven't backed down yet and um well they can't now because of the fucking protest the protest makes it now the two sides are buffing up against each other how can the government back down without a huge fucking embarrassment whereas before if it had been through lobbying groups and through political means then it would have been much easier Possibly. for the government to back down. I mean, I don't know about that, Jamie, because I'm not a big fan of uh, street protest either. I don't feel that it accomplishes much, but um, I'm more I'm more of a fan of the kind of thing you're talking about, about building political um, con- uh, yeah, consensus definitely. and consent. Right, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. more into that than I am into um, on-the-street protest, which I do think is, it, it typically just doesn't work in this day and age. Um, but yeah, I mean, but anyway, they, they do the same. But yeah, I mean, I do think it's a, it's it's difficult. It's hard to say because, um, I, obviously, we're not going to descend into Nazi Germany here. But um, but it's a worrying sign. For sure. For more on this issue, tune into our uh, Canadian politics call up uh, podcast. And Better Call Trudeau is what it's called. Better Call Trudeau <laughs> coming to like a podcast network near you. I should call it. <laughs> we should call it Canadian Bacon. I've just been watching that movie. Um, Canadian Bacon. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's what's his name? John Candy. No, John Candy. Uncle Buck. Yeah. No, that's right. That's his name. Yeah. It is John Candy. No. Yeah, he's in Canadian Bacon too. It's directed by Michael Moore and written by Michael Moore. I'll have to so, look. Out. I'll have to look out for it. Yeah, I'm about halfway through it. It's fucking hilarious. Is it a movie or a show? It's a movie. Canadian Bacon. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe we should, we should do a, a Canadian political podcast, and I can I really can't. The... Uh, I'll get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> you work for the Canadian government. Come on, you've got all well, the insider I mean, knowledge. That's that's another problem. Is I work for a governmental <laughs> organization, and I'm not allowed to, in any way, shape, or form, I'm not allowed to use that as any form of leverage um, when acting yeah. politically in uh, the public arena. Yeah. Um, I no, need to I go mean, and I w- say. Good night to the kids. So sure. remember where we were. Go back to okay. where we were in the podcast. We're gonna have to cut all that shit out. Nah, we are. You so, know, um, yes. So let's jump back in. I, you remember, I was going on about digging the holes in the desert. Well, I looked up yeah. while we were while I was mentioning that. I thought maybe it would be a good idea for us to watch Holes, the movie Holes. Have you seen it? 
Oh yeah, with them. Oh, I don't. I don't so, think I have seen those. Sigourney Weaver, um, some other well-known characters. Anyway, turns out I looked it up, and it came out in two thousand three. Oh really? Yeah. Which is when this is set. That's right. Holes. Holes. I was thinking Any... of um. I was thinking of Tremors. Oh, right, yeah, Tremors. Whenever you said I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. And it's like, no, that's a totally different movie. Holes is good. I've seen it, and it is a good movie. <clears throat> okay. So, so yeah, so... Yeah. Um, so, um, here we are. Where were we? I'm sorry. So, Howard was just escorting Chuck out, and he had... A, yes. He had... Um, he gathered the whole firm to give him a hand. A round of yep. applause. Give him a round That's of right. applause um, as he walked out. I thought that was a very interesting turn of phrase, you know, give him a hand. And that's yeah. what everybody says, you know, give him a hand, like, and everybody claps. Um, but I wondered, in this case, it was give him a hand out the door. Come on, everybody, yeah. give him a hand out. <laughs> oh, that's interesting, because uh, in the last episode, Hard offers Jimmy a hand out whenever he, uh, whenever oh, he bring takes him to next. Um, yes, yeah. and in and in the very next scene to this one, Jim is making Kim breakfast, and she said, um, "It won't take long." Or she's over this one-handed crap. Yeah, yeah so one-handed. Yeah. Interesting. Ah, there you go. Good. Um. So yeah, Chuck gets a round of applause. A very public retirement to send the message, as she said, "There's absolutely no coming back from this. Mm -hmm. Um, you're out." And off he went, poor old Chuck. Um, and we cut to Jim at Kim's. So Kim wakes yeah. up. She's in bed. And above her, you've got the rows of square pictures right. just above her head. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier. Um, and Jimmy uh, tells her to stay where she is, that he goes off and makes breakfast. Yeah, he seems to have made her some egg whites, scrambled egg whites. They're very white looking uh, scrambled eggs, so I assume there's no yolks yeah. in there. Um, sure. And um, they're talking it's about funny. giving up the office. There's a couple of times that um, the in this scene in particular, I noticed that um, doing things, but not before other things, like Kim wanted coffee, but not before more Gatorade. And then she wanted um, she wanted something else. And he said, but not before you the eat pills. these eggs. Yeah, oh, the yeah that's it. The good stuff. Do you want the good stuff, but not before you eat some eggs? And um, so I thought that was quite interesting. That came up in a couple of these scenes. I meant to go back and have a look to see if it came up anywhere else, but I didn't. <laughs> I ran out of time. Interesting. Yeah, but I thought that was quite interesting. Hmm. Okay. So good. They're chatting about the office. You were saying? Yeah, he's going to give up. The, they're going to give up the office. Um, Jimmy's decided now. This is okay. They don't need it anymore. Kim's going to work yeah. from home. And uh, so they're going to say goodbye to the office. They're going to let go, um, France, Francesca. Francesca, is that it? Well, he, and... he said he hasn't decided what to do in this scene. Oh, but um, yes. that is what ultimately happens. She gets, she gets let go. She goes back right. to her old employer. Yeah, that's all I have here. Except this is where Kim says that she made a choice. Jimmy tries to apologize, and Kim's like, "No, this was it was it was me. I made a choice. I didn't have to get in." I forget what she says. I always mangle the quotes. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, um, but it was the same. I mean, in a way, when Jimmy offered her that drink and said, let's celebrate and stuff, I mean, she had an opportunity to not get in the car. It was presented to her before it happened, but off she did, off she went uh, anyway. Yeah, well, the, the only reason that she went in the first place, not to this one, but to the previous episode, like where she went was almost in response to Jimmy. She got pissed off at what Jimmy was going to, what Jimmy said. And instead of sending a courier out, she decided to go out herself. So yeah. And that was the first one. And then in this case, yeah, she was, she was offered a drink and she didn't take it. But could you imagine if she had taken the shot then <laughs> um, could it have been much yeah. worse because she was still had to go. Um, there was a bit of blame going on here. They both were blaming themselves for the accident. Jimmy was blaming himself and Kim was blaming mm-hmm. herself. Um, Kim said, oh, I could have killed somebody. And Jimmy said, oh, you could have killed somebody. You could have killed yourself, etc., mm-hmm. etc." That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, off we yeah. go then to, unless you've anything else there. No, just that Jimmy um, said he was going to fix things. Yeah, Jimmy the fixer. I know, he's um, always fixing things. <laughs> Nacho, um, with, uh, Nacho is bringing Hector to the family business to show him around and uh, trying to oh, yes, avoid that's right. pop, 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 his pop, pop. But uh, Hector wants to meet yeah. pop, pop. They go to see pop, pop. And uh this is all about a power play from Hector, the money and the power want to exert his authority and his, um, his dominance over um, uh, people by, uh, by putting some money down in the table in front of pop pop and having him take it. And uh, yeah, Nacho's like, please think about the family, think about the, the, the kids in Galliana. And uh, so pop pop takes the money and uh, Hector is uh, satisfied enough and leaves. And um, I, I just I don't noticed think he was satisfied. He was partially Hector no, was he wasn't not. totally satisfied. But he said he didn't trust him. Is what he said in the end. There, yeah. he doesn't trust the dad. And uh, I noticed the nice bright orange shirt that Hector was wearing, and Nacho was wearing this nice mauve shirt. Just reminded me of the theme of colors, the colorful lives of these um, yeah. colorful lives and fashion sense of these hardcore um, criminals. It's funny you mention that because whenever, like I noticed the, 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 the stark difference between, I think they were cutting from the scene in, it might've actually been this scene where you see Kim's apartment and it's so dark and dull and drab and it was a bit um, subdued. And then you cut to, a, the next cut was Hector standing with a really bright shirt with the blue sky above him. It was really sunny and bright and vibrant. And it just really mm. struck me the two different, how they paint the two, the two things differently. True. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it might've yeah. been missing. So that takes care of that. And um, then uh, we're back with Kim and uh, Francesca. And That's here. Um, yeah, I think so. We have a huge um, bunch of flowers from Kevin and Paige. Yeah, and um, Kim, uh, Francesca is helping Kim try to um, get back into the game with uh, the Gatwood case, and she's looking at a journal, and she she sort of does this block thing. She 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 measures a block of time in her journal, and then looks to see where she can move it, you know, and yeah. uh, and um, then she just has an epiphany. She's like, "What the fuck am I doing?" She's thinking. And she just stops in her tracks. It's interesting. I just realized this is um, this is reflected later when Chuck is looking at his journal. You know, you know, there's something yeah. in this, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but but I tried to puzzle this out, but I couldn't quite get there. Um, 
Kim is walking in his journal right before he has his meltdown later in this episode. Oh, okay. Yes, it, it basically almost precipitates it almost in a way. Um, Chuck is writing down the yeah. time that he's taken the medicine, the time he's experienced oh, the symptoms yes. in his journal. That journal. And then he kind of yes. and then yeah. he kind of stops and it looks similar the way it's blocked out. And then he yeah. kind of stops and put it, puts it down, and then that's it. It's all over for Chuck. But but here there's something similar is happening. Kim is having a wake-up call, essentially. It's really weird because you know, I think we talked in a previous episode how I've had these big house dreams and how um long ago and how i kind of rationed reasoned out that the big house is somewhere a symbol of compartmentalized time right yeah the different rooms represent chunks of time and you're going to go explore the rooms it's always a new house too it's always a new building and the reason for that is because every day is a new day so you move forward in time exploring the chunks of time in your day as your day is compartmentalized out are you hearing me because your screen's frozen yeah, I'm hearing. Yeah, and I was really thinking about that whenever Chuck is tearing his place apart. And what's the symbolism here? I was trying to get to it and I couldn't quite get to it. But anyway, but now I, this sort of clicks in. This gives me, I first thought, well, maybe there's nothing to this. But now that I see that Kim is having a compartment, she's looking at the compartments of her day in her notebook, which in the unconscious yeah. is symbolized by a big house full of rooms. And she's realizing to herself, I can't do this anymore. I need a break. I need to stop compartmentalizing my time. I need to stop doing all this run around trying to fit everything in. And I'm just going to have like a, in a way, that's what she does. She tears down the house. She, she's built this house for herself of, of, of having to go from meeting to meeting to meeting, having to get these paperwork submitted, everything done by a deadline, chunks of time spent doing different things. She says, nope, um, I'm getting out of here. Um, from, now, from, from here, I'm taking a break. It's relaxed on 2003. Yeah. And Chuck, Chuck, he has a similar experience, except with a slightly darker twist. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Kim's burning her house down. Um, but yeah, for sure, for sure. So it's metaphorically, you know, Kim's leaving the law for a while, right? But Chuck's departing the law, but only for a week for recovery. She's not quitting as a lawyer. She's she's ditching it for a week to recover. That's true. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know. It's similar. Uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. That's all right. Um, That's all right. So yeah, from there we cut to Chuck's. It's Jimmy outside Chuck's in his car. Um, and oh no, shit, we don't. Sorry, I've skipped the fucking blockbuster scene. The blockbuster scene was really good. Yes, it was good. So basically... Kim tells Francesca to cut everything, to cancel everything, push everything in her diary, and that she needs a ride. And we find out that she's getting a ride to Blockbusters. Remember Blockbusters? Do you guys still have video stores in Canada? Yeah. Oh, this this comes up. I did you watch Jimmy Carr's um, Jimmy Carr's controversial comedy routine on Netflix? I think I've watched it. I think I haven't watched it since it became controversial, but I think I watched it at Christmas. No, it's, it's a new. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was out that long ago. It's the one where yeah, it's the Holocaust has, joke. It's been out for ages. Okay. Well, I didn't even know. I watched it last. I watched it yesterday. He does a blockbuster routine in it. Um, I forget what the joke he did was. But yeah, he talks about blockbusters. Um, I can't remember. Well, it, it, it came across to me when I watched, because it was in the news just the other day about how 
on, it was on the BBC website. You see, that's why I watched it because they had in the news that um, there was a massive controversy. There was a shitstorm over his Holocaust joke about the gypsies. <laughs> um, but this is what happens now, and this is the same thing. He said it was a career-ending yeah. joke. Okay, so yeah. he talks about the career enders. This is all about this. This is career ending. Chuck's career ending. Kim taking a break from her career. This is all interwoven here. So, so that is ostracization again. That also made me think of it about Jimmy Carr. Because no, yeah, well, he you know Jimmy Carr because <laughs> he's he's going to be ostracized. This is what happens when these comedians and personalities get cancelled. Their careers get cancelled, they get cancelled, and then they're ostracized from the community that they used to be a part of. It's the same thing. I don't know that he will be cancelled. I don't think he'll be cancelled. Well, we'll see. Do you think Jimmy Carr will be cancelled? Well, he's making a very strong point here. He's doing what Ricky Gervais did. Ricky Gervais um, does the same thing. He, he has very offensive humour. You know, it's the same thing with this, yeah. um, this other fellow, this Bruno guy. What's his name? Ali G. Uh, yeah. He's fantastic. But yeah, I mean, uh, so Ricky Gervais has been on with Sam Harris, and they even did a whole um, podcast about it, about how you know there's 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 the, the, this cancel culture and the, the um, comedians having the ability to make humor without you know without you know there's something important about freedom of speech in this, and um, yeah. that we can't we shouldn't be ostracizing people um, because they offend a few people. You know, it's like it's a it's this ostracization like it's a form of social censure that's as old as the hills right yeah we've been doing this ad infinitum and i guess the question is is it a healthy um is it a healthy way for our society to behave so so that's why jimmy carr came to mind in that and um yeah the blockbuster routine you were saying blockbuster i remember blockbusters um yeah yeah jimmy carr did the he did the joke about how you go in there and you can't get the good movies because some other asshole has them and <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you get fined. Yeah. yeah. yeah oh my god! If you don't rewind it, if you don't rewind yeah. your tape, um, fucking yeah. No, I don't know. I reckon that the Holocaust is always talked about in the terms of the number of Jewish lives lost. Like, did you know that there were so many gypsies lost their lives from an Egypt? No, like, I didn't know that. So in a way, <laughs> what he's doing is calling attention to the fact that these people died, but he's doing it through yeah. humor. I mean, I, I didn't, didn't know, know that lots died. of them. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know either. I mean, there's some. Um, I mean, I've experienced racism Canada as racism against Irish people. Um, they don't call it racism. I mean, I never know what to call it. Is it racism? Because I'm white. I mean, when one white ethnic group is, is hostile against another white ethnic group, which we're all too familiar with in Ireland, I mean, that's basically the situation, is a mutual hatred of two different communities, right? I mean, that that's what we grew up around. We, we know that shit, right? But then whenever I, but then, you know, I don't, there's different, there's subtle forms. It's like, um, and it's not always right wingers either, you know. When I was up at um, one of the local universities here, um, Vancouver Island University, at St Patrick's Day, St Patrick's Day is always the worst for this. On St Patrick's Day, which is known as an Irish celebration, so there was one year at the university they put all these pictures up of a leprechaun with his ass showing, you know, kiss my ass, I'm <laughs> Irish kind of thing, and I was yeah. like, you know, That's so this offensive. is basically it's basically <laughs> racist. It's it's. I was like, what the fuck? But this is like Irish people. I mean, now, on the other hand, if I watch the episode of Family Guy, where the drunken Irish dad episode, of which highly relatable, um, <laughs> but, you know, is that racist? Am I offended by that? No, it's fucking hilarious. See, 
Yeah. When there's a form of it, there's a form of that kind of depiction, which is humor and it's supposed to be funny. But whenever they put all those posters on the wall to advertise St. Patrick's Day activities of this little leprechaun shown as arse, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. a, that yeah. is offensive, right? Did you write to the student council? I almost did, but I didn't. I just grit my teeth. But <laughs> but those things but those things don't those things show you that there's an undercurrent of racism in society. It's it's in there. You see what I'm saying? Always, yeah. Always. Yeah. It's in there and then it just pops out sometimes and yeah Very it's unpleasant. in everybody it comes down to the the whole safety within your community thing you're yeah. you're it's just ingrained in humans that you're safest among people amongst people that you're basically look like you. yes yeah. <laughs> i know yeah. it's unfortunate you should be wary of people that look different or come from a different tribe you know yeah. what i mean yeah. back in the day it would have been different tribes before the british fucking conquered the world and made everybody We're their enemy to. it was like <laughs> Yeah, yeah I know weird. it's a problem. Like um, in Northern Ireland, but I mean in Northern Ireland, even though Catholics and Protestants are both white and they both basically look the same, I mean most people couldn't pick, you know, based on looks. But they did. They, but the propaganda would always, you know, it depicts them as looking different. Yeah, you know, squinty eyed, uh, whatever <laughs> you know, the usual stuff you get. But anyway, yeah. we shall move along, shall we? Where were we? We're on. Yeah. Um, Feel free to cut that bit out. So um, no, I don't want to cut it. That's that's the that's the that's the. You'll that's have the to listen to it and make sure that we haven't said anything too controversial, so that <laughs> we get cancelled. You know we will. I mean? Yeah, we definitely don't want to get cancelled. We haven't even put it online yet. <laughs> Your screen's you frozen. Have fucking, you have to listen to that very carefully and make sure that we haven't. Okay. I'm back. Uh, so Kim's at Blockbusters and Francesca is calling um, the steak guy, Gatwood, to thank him for the steaks, apologise that Kim can't handle his case anymore. She's passing it over to Schweiker and Cookley. Um, yep. And Schweik, is it Schweiker or Schweikard? Schweiker? It's Schweiker. It's Schweiker. Yeah, Schweiker. Schweiker and Cook. Um, <laughs> she rents 10 DVDs, 10 movies to take home and watch. I used to fucking love that whenever I was off school sick and we could rent that, DVD. That's when we watched all our movies. Like we, we would like, it was the best thing because yeah. I could, because I had asthma when I was younger. So I could sort of say, oh, I'm feeling a bit wheezy today. I can't really go to school. <laughs> and then can I, can I get a video? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Down at Dempsey's. Yeah. On the of course, in the beginning, it was actually VCR cassettes. It was, you know. It was video. Yeah, you had to rewind them. DVDs. Do you remember yeah. Sounds Fantastic up at the top of the prom? There were the two rival video stores. There was Dempsey's yeah. and Sounds Fantastic. Oh, yeah, um, I forgot all about Sounds Fantastic. Oh, it was yeah. so heart-crushing when you would get home with a v- with a cassette and put it in, and then it was dirty or destroyed or some shit, and then it wouldn't work. And then yeah. you have to take it back, and it's like, oh, God, it doesn't work. It was crushing. I reckon that I reckon that millennials would totally buy into DVD rental. No, I think that they would support that. It's the kind of <laughs> niche little business that would attract just just the right number of people who want to have that kind of nostalgic True. experience. Yeah. <laughs> Could you make any money though? That's the question. Could you make any that, money? That's the thing. Um, so yeah, DVD rental. So she rents 10 DVDs. Um and yeah, that's the end of that. She heads off home and we head mm-hmm. to Jimmy. Jimmy, not Jimmy, Jimmy. 
heads Jimmy, who's outside Chuck's place, in his car, deciding whether or not to go in, but he decides to go in. He just wants to check that Chuck is okay. Bangs in the door for a few minutes, and Chuck lets him in. And he right. puts on the big show again for Jimmy that the music's playing, the lights are turned on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's food in the fridge. Chuck's all right. He's doing very well. And uh, they have a little, Jimmy wants to have a little heart-to-heart with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim's accident just made him have a change of heart and he wants to um, show remorse. And if he could go back and do things differently, I think he would. Um, yeah. And Chuck is a right arsehole. Don't speak ill of the dead. Chuck yeah. totally said what the fuck well Why? i mean jimmy jimmy comes in all apologetic he's like he says um in hindsight i could have made different choices okay but we know about jimmy that we now know that he just fluctuates he's got two sides to his personality one side goes ahead and does something really really atrocious and then yeah. he flips and feels bad about it and tries to make it better yeah, and um and that's just his, his, that's a pattern of behavior. So he's not really sorry because he's sorry. He's not really going to Chuck because he could have made different choices. He's just going there because it's his, his flip. He feels guilty. Yeah, yeah and he'll flip back pattern. again. And yeah, he'll flip back again. And that's what Chuck kind of says. He says, you know, Chuck said, um, you hurt people then there's this show of remorse. I know, and it's interesting because, you know, it's exactly what Jimmy's doing. He's, he's busy doing that right now with Irene. And he's not connected. Yeah, that's dots, exactly Jimmy. it. He just can't. Just... He can't even see that he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and Chuck then delivers his uh, line. Do you want to say it or will I say it? No, go ahead. The death blow to Jimmy says, "I don't want to hurt your feelings, but the truth is, you've never mattered all that much to me." That's what he says what to Jimmy. A... <laughs> you know, I've been trying to tell you that for years. I'm here. <laughs> I've been trying to tell you that. <laughs> You and Tim. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah what a horrible thing to say. Mm-hmm. You've never really bothered to me. Well, I mean, You've never really cared. How much truth is Chuck telling here? Is he being honest or is he just trying to drive Jimmy away because he's planning to? Oh, Although at this point, you reckon? He... I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's not planning he to. Yeah, maybe not. No. I think that this is him being honest with Jimmy and he's actually being quite genuine and saying, why do you put yourself through this? Because you just do it over and over and over again. And to chuck mm-hmm. that is what Jimmy does. He's always done it. You know, right. he said it, he said it, like he gave a couple of examples, didn't he in this? Um, I don't know if he did in this conversation, but yeah, he, he said that he knows that to Jimmy, Jimmy thinks that these emotions are real, but they can't mm-hmm. possibly be because he keeps doing it over and over and over again. Yeah. So how can yeah. he possibly feel this way whenever he just repeats the same behavior? Yeah, that's right. That yeah. he should just accept it and embrace it. And if he just embraced it, then Chuck would almost have more respect for him. Chuck said he would have more respect for him. Just embrace it and be the fucking asshole instead yeah, of right. pretending all the time that you're not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like a almost surprising moment of lucidity and honesty from Chuck um, considering the state that he's in, but there you go yeah sad times and then we don't um jimmy walks out he doesn't say anything else he just leaves and then we see chuck later on um naming things and the pain is worse so he wakes up isn't this in the middle of the night he wakes up in the middle of the night and he makes a note of his pain levels and that's right um, journal this is the part with the journal and he the pain is up to like a 7.5 again Mm-hmm. Um and 
he goes and shuts the power off. Yeah. The series of scenes that flows from here is just absolutely brilliant. I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. The whole, the last moments of Chuck's life are just, uh, I don't know, it's compelling to watch. Yeah. But yeah, here it starts. Something, I'm not sure if something triggers him or not about his journal, um, but uh, he just seems to almost um, give up or snap at that point. And uh, it's interesting because there's the pills as well. You know, he's been on the pills for his medication and Hector naturally swapped out Hector's pills. There's all sorts of reflections going on, and but um, reflections and refractions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is where it starts. He For gets sure. Up. Is uh, this where, does he check the, uh, does he, he turns everything off or no, maybe he does. No, does he just, check the, he doesn't check the power. This is just the power board. This is right. just the inside. He just flips yeah. the fuse off. Yeah. And we okay. leave him there and cut to Jimmy and Irene. So um, at this time, Jimmy has brought cake and balloons to celebrate the fact that um, they are accepting the settlement offer um, and she doesn't feel much like settling because um, the girls are still upset with her she, and uh, still really upset and this is where Jimmy kind of realizes I think with hindsight and with what has happened with Kim um, he starts to feel remorseful now about what he has done to poor Irene that it isn't just as simple as bringing cake and it's all back to normal again now that they've settled and that right. this has really destroyed her relationship with her friends. Yeah. Um, and the train goes by, the mall train. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, so he's trying to convince the girls. So we cut then to Jimmy trying to convince the girls to take right. um, Irene back in their circle. Um, and uh, he tries to play off as a little misunderstanding. Don't let it ruin years of friendship. Um, and so on and so on. And they're all, they, they, almost suggests that because Irene has now decided to settle, can they really trust her integrity that she just flips from one whim to the the other, you know? I know, um, which, which is, a, which is for us, for the audience, a comment about Jimmy as well. She's not talking about Jimmy, but that's uh, what we definitely. observe. And that's actually, that's actually what Jimmy is like. Jimmy, she's describing <laughs> Yeah. <there>. yeah. <laughs> and then he tries to take the first during the pause. Hang on, hang on. Um, but they just don't accept <laughs> Irene doesn't deserve a friend like Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Hello from the other side. <laughs> um, you hear me? Are we back? Your audio has just come back, but your screen is frozen. Just give it a second. My internet is shit. Let me try mother. For you know, as a podcaster, I'll check my. Um, you're gonna have to do something about this internet situation. Swear to God. No, you're gone completely now. I know. I had to. How's that? Am I better? Yeah, but you still got red lines on your signal strength. Oh, it's yellow now. Okay, let's try it. I don't yes. get it because normally it's okay. Hmm. Maybe I should um, ban the kids' devices when we're podcasting. Maybe Sophia's in there watching TikTok on her phone. That wouldn't but help. You're all staticky now. Oh. 
I well, just had a low system resources warning. Low system resources may affect your audio quality. Try closing hmm. some applications to improve performance. No, okay. I can't understand you. Okay, that's unfortunate. I think it's better now. Can you hear me? Okay, yep. Hello, hello? Yeah, yes, can I can you hear, hear me you. now. Can you hear me now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, let's um, power on through. Where the fuck yep. did we get to? We yes, are. We need to them all. He tries to take the blame, but they won't have any of it. Yep. And uh, then we depart there over to, yeah, so was, he's trying to get, um, he's trying to get Irene back into the, the girl's good graces, um, but he's failing, so he's going to have to come up with something. And over we go to Chuck, who's going crazy in quarantine. Yeah, totally um, I bonkers. <laughs> I feel like uh, there's, there's, there's somehow there's a comment in here and, and it's, it's weird and uh, you can't really call it synchronicity because it's been in lockdown for two years, but um, we're not lockdown, but we've had this business for two years with the old COVID. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a similar, you know, it's, it's really, it's sudden, it's suddenly relatable. You're suddenly relatable yeah. here. Chuck going nuts and he starts to tear down the, no, he's not tearing down the walls yet, but he does start taking out the light bulbs and uh, yeah, he's trying to find a mystery source uh, of uh, electricity somewhere in the house, he thinks, um, which is obviously just his, his condition. And he's completely lost now. He's off on a total. Um, and no, he does. A, he could. He goes he's outside and sees that the meter is turning. So he knows that something is, is, tur- is draining power. There's a power, something is consuming power inside. Okay. His okay. And he tries, yeah, okay. he's trying to find it. So he unplugs everything and um, he tries to call the power company, but they're going to take until Wednesday to come out and disconnect it. And he can't wait that long. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, then he removes all the bulbs, as she said. Mm-hmm cancels his appointment with his therapist and then he does start punching holes in the wall that's right, part okay. of this yeah he starts uh, hacking the walls it's a bit it's hacking into the walls to try to find a something he thinks yeah. there's something in the walls yeah there's definitely something Tearing in right this. cables and <clears throat> breaking off the tiles in the kitchen he destroys his bookcase he is trying to find this source of power yeah um yeah and uh then yeah. over we go to um, yeah, I mean, I suppose that, yeah, Nacho uh, with Hector and Gus. Yeah, Nacho's initially going to talk, knock Hector off. He's going to shoot him, but um, yeah, he's he not can't wait. Yeah, the pills. He doesn't realize seem... everybody's there to meet. Um, he hasn't picked up the, the message that he was left. So right. to him, he's there to kill Hector, and he's surprised whenever the others turn up. That's right. Um, so a weird little um, coincidence works in uh, Nacho's favor there. And... Uh, <clears throat> And uh, after, of course, um, Hector loses his shit and he seems to have a heart attack or something like that. The pills don't work and he's on the ground. This is the second part of that story where Hector refuses to to let Gus be the sole sole courier of drugs across the border. And and Don Eladio has sent Bolsa up to speak to Hector face to face out of respect to break this news to him that he is insisting that this happens. Yes, that's um, right. And again, um, this is quite an important scene where we see that um, Hector believes that it's his family's business and how dare Bolsa come up here and say this, that he should be kissing his ass, that it's yeah. um, Salamanca money has built the business, Salamanca blood, this is his, why are they taking it away from him? Yeah. And it is disrespectful to him, and he has a heart attack. Yeah, just like Chuck and uh, just like Chuck and Hard here is reflecting, reflecting again. 
Um, yeah, for sure. And yeah, so Hector has this heart attack, but he doesn't apparently die. He's still alive. So, but I know uh, he what... gets rushed off. Thanks to Gus. Gus fucking saved his life. Gus jumps in there. Yeah, Gus saves the day. But Gus, um, he gives a natural this really, really oh, eerie sideways look at the end of that scene, like the look on Gus's face. Because <laughs> um, yeah. he suspects he, he either yeah, yeah. He either saw him pick up the pills out of the corner of his eye or he's put two and two together and uh, he's yeah. given Nacho the look there. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Jimmy and Kim. So Jimmy and Kim, um, and they are Jimmy's arriving back from wherever he's been at Sandpiper Crossing, and Kim as well into her the relaxation fest. Yeah. Um, and he asks her how the relaxation is going, and they're talking about. She tells him that um she's about to stick on Monty Python. Right. And we're talking about To Kill a Mockingbird, which was one of Kim's favorites, and. Uh, he thinks that it's because she was attracted to Gregory Peck, but she said, no, it's because he's this incredible lawyer. And does Jimmy not love Gregory Peck or whatever in that too? You know, does Jimmy, is Jimmy not obsessed with this movie as well? And of course, Jimmy just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, he doesn't understand. He doesn't see it. So um, they're talking about Mrs. Landry. So they're talking about the Irene case and how he's brought muffin baskets and stuff. So this is actually, I thought this was quite telling that Kim is that Jimmy has actually opened up to Kim about this situation. Like she knows mm-hmm. what's happening with Irene. I know. Um, so I thought that was a bit a bit out of character for Jimmy to be that open about his schemes. Yeah, that's that right. And, um, for support. and it's also just staggering how tolerant Kim is somehow with all this business. <laughs> You know that she doesn't see straight through it the way that yes. Howard does. Yeah. Howard was so full of disdain whenever he realised what Jimmy was up to. And Kim is like, oh, the muffin baskets didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so uh, she said it sounds like he's exhausted all of his options. Um, but then she makes a comment that gives him uh, the that makes him realize what he has to do. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it was that she said. She says you should play to your strengths, <clears throat> which uh, you know, Jimmy says, um, he says, I'm not good at building shit. I'm excellent at tearing it down. And, oh, yes. um, okay. Kim says some comment either before or after that, that you should play to your strengths, by which she means that you're good at scamming. So scam your way out of it somehow. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then and that's then when Jimmy it... realizes that he has to tear his scam down. That's how he has yeah. to get out of it. He has to tear down the scam. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. He really doesn't want to do it because he knows that he, that'll be the end of his relationships with all the old people. Yeah, that's right. Sad times. So yeah. then we see him enacting his teardown of the scam. So we cut to him at Sandpiper um, Chair Yoga, where he is taking the Chair Yoga class. So he decides that he's going to stand in and be the replacement teacher who couldn't make it and he's telling them to do all their moves and we see yeah. a, uh, the re-emergence of Erin from Swiker and Coakley No, she's from Davis and Maine Davis and Maine Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah Oh, who's Swiker and Coakley then? Who are they? Schweiker and Coke. Schweiker's the guy from Batteries Not Included She was the one, Kim was going to go join them after she left uh, HHM, HHM or something like that or I fucking forget what happened Schweiker and Coke was um, what was the case? I forget. I can forget now. Maybe it was yeah. something to do with uh, I don't know. I forget. But but anyway, um, yeah, this was all set up for us. You know, this takes us right back to the start of episode nine, 
um, yeah. where at the start of episode nine, um, he's doing the yoga with the seniors and they mention how Aaron Brill knows, she, Irene, Irene tells him how Aaron Brill knows all the ins and outs of the case. And yeah. uh, now we're brought full circle here with chair yoga and Aaron Brill coming into the room. Yeah, she needs to talk to Jimmy. She is. She really demands in a very teacher-like voice, orders Jimmy out of the room so that she can talk to him outside in the hallway. Um, yeah, and this is where Jimmy's, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's great. This is where Jimmy's um, the teardown of the scam really commences. So he goes outside um, accidentally on purpose, leaves his mic so that everybody in the room can overhear their conversation. And she really tears into Jimmy about how disgusting what he has done is. Um, and about how um, he worked to gain their trust and then filled her um, head with lies and her friend's head, head with lies and have pretty much misrepresented the case and betrayed their friendship by really destroying their relationships and how disgusting it is. Um, and Jimmy's, I love Jimmy's line that the only thing, um, if the only thing that's standing between him and a million bucks is some old lady's tears, then you better invest in Kleenex. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's a good line. Um, but yeah, what a fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so Aaron really lays into him and then he, he heads back into the room. Everybody's heard and uh, they're disgusted. Yeah. Yes. Um, I almost got the sense that Irene for a second appreciated what he had done there, but uh, I don't think she did in the end. They, they all... They, uh, Irene, uh, uh, Helen, Rose, and Myrtle all uh, take off. They won't uh, sit through any more bingo with Jimmy. And that's it. Yeah. That's it for Jimmy and Sandpiper, maybe possibly the end of that. Uh... Oh, he'll still get his money. He'll um, still get his money. Whenever, yeah. whenever he left, he bumps into Aaron. Aaron's waiting for him in the car park. And oh, yeah. he says, Well done. You were great. You did really well thinking that Aaron was like acting and this is her doing him a favor and she's like oh I meant every word of it <laughs> yes. that's right <laughs> I mean, I mean. and Aaron Aaron's just like you know she sees right through Jimmy in a way that Kim just doesn't seem to or maybe Kim just does she just she she's attracted to it maybe you know it's like but you never know how much she has told Kim about that's this true. situation has he dressed it up in a way that is in his favor you know yeah that's true that's true but uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's odd. But good old Erin. I was happy to see Erin Brill coming back in there. She's a fun yeah, character. Yeah, she's a great character. She's really good. Um, whenever she had to babysit Jimmy in season two, she was taking him to court and stuff. It was really good. <laughs> so from there, we cut to Wexler McGill and uh, McGill. Francesca. Oh, no, Wexler, Wexler McGill. Wexler McGill. Wexler McGill. I forgot there's two McGills. Yeah, so Pearl Francesca's being given the heave hole. She's back to the parking, or what was it? She did like vehicle? The MVD, the... Motor Vehicle Department. Yes, there you go. So she's heading back to work for them. They took her back again. Um, and Jimmy says, if we ever get another office, they'll, she'll be the first on the list whenever mm -hmm. they're going to give her a call. Which does um, happen. Yeah, it does. That's right. A nice <laughs> little tie-in with Breaking Bad. Um, and then they've packed up their office, so this is them vacating the office pretty much for the last time. Kim has her last boxes, Jimmy has his last boxes. Um, it's just Jimmy's stuff. He bins his Rolodex, saying that he's burnt all of his bridges with the older, the elder law community, that they'll be um 
sending out telegrams. So he bins the Rolodex and Kim fishes the Rolodex back out of the trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <clears> uh, with her one good hand. Yeah, with her one good hand. And then from here we cut to Chuck. Yeah, poor old Chuck. He just looks terrible sitting in his chair. Yeah. He, he's done. He uh he has destroyed the, the thing on the wall and couldn't find the source of the uh holes all over his house. The ceiling's got holes in it. It's in a really shitty state. Like he is yeah, just there's, there's the insulation hanging out everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. All of his electronics are out in the backyard. So we see all of his appliances and lamps are strewn all over the back garden. Mm-hmm. Um and we join him just as he's kicking the lantern off the desk. So he's kicking yep. the desk a lot. We hear this noise. <clears throat> what it is and then you see the lanterns kind of edging its way towards the end mm-hmm. the edge and the end yeah. <laughs> and, um, we leave the episode with flames flames gathering around the curtains yeah and That's that it. is where we leave chuck pearl chuck mm-hmm. yep well we did sort of somewhat see it coming you know we see, it looked like chuck was coming to a bad end for a long time um, yeah three, three seasons his, you know you've yeah. got three seasons so it's That's longer three, than i thought the character would last yeah three season story arc coming to an end and now we're left with um we we but we saw almost none of mike uh in that uh, those two episodes that pairing of episodes we only saw him that one time when he is it with uh madrigal with uh what's your face uh ladira dark wheel <laughs> and yes. uh that was the only time we really saw him in those two episodes. So Mike's coming back probably at the start of the next season yeah. with a oh, vengeance. That's a big story teaser. That's a big teaser now that's that Mike is on Gus's payroll. Like yeah. Gus is paying his taxes. Like that's you know, that's him on the payroll now. So it'll be interesting how that shapes up. Yeah. Um also Hector's out of the picture, seemingly. Um, so Gus, Nacho, and Mike are turning awesome. into a, like a a trio. It seems, yeah. and um, uh, we've yet to see how Jimmy is going to get meshed in with all that. Um, and well, Kim Chuck is no like longer the, hmm? Chuck was like the linchpin between Jimmy and Kim and HHM. Like any of the storylines where we saw HHM were related to Jimmy and Chuck. So is that the end of Howard and HHM? Will he make True. a comeback in season four? Or yep. are we just going to see that disappear off into the background? Mm-hmm. Um, that's if Chuck is dead. We don't know that Chuck's dead yet at this stage, but we did see really big ass flames in his house. So I think yeah. it's safe to say. Safe it. to say. Yeah, he's he's done for. Yeah. yeah, true. So we've seen quite a bit of closure on certain threads um, or or change, and uh, we'll see what happens next. I know. I know. What storylines <sighs> do we still have open? We've got Mike and Gus, Nacho and Hector, Jimmy, and do we have a Jimmy storyline at the minute? Well, I, I'm thinking Nacho and Hector's kind of done. It's it's transformed into Nacho, Nacho, Gus, and Mike is where we're going. Jimmy um, has gotten his is getting his money, we assume, and uh, he's we've yet to see what he's going to do for the next year. Are we going to skip forward a year in time, or are we going to get go through this entire year where he's not lawyering? I mean, who knows? Oh, how yeah. the, I haven't really paid attention to how much time is passing in the show, but it seems like it just goes sort of day to day, week to week. We don't really jump around too much apart from the flashbacks and flash forwards. Um, um, yeah. It's a fairly linear. Um, I think that we'll pick story. up. Um, I think in the past, in the past season ends, we picked up where the last season has left off. Right. So there hasn't been a break between the seasons. So that so will probably, probably this... continue. 
would say. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, I wonder will Nacho become uh, will Nacho take over the Salamanca business or will there is there another Salamanca like Hector's in jail? So does Salamanca have any sons or family? That's true. Tuco is um, in jail. Tuco, sorry, yeah, you're right. So Tuco is in jail. Hector's gone off to hospital. Of course, he could make a recovery. We don't know that he's not going to just, you know, they were revived him pretty much in the ambulance, didn't they? So maybe mm. he's not done. Yeah. Um, interesting times. Yeah, I mean, the other the other main storyline we really, apart from this business with um, the drugs, um, is uh, Jimmy and Kim. That seems to me to be the last, the last thing left to work out now. Um, yeah. is how that's going to shake down and so but you know we've done season three and what is it the next season we're getting is it five or six it's five no six. it's six six so it's like three more seasons of this like well yeah two to catch up on and then the last season yeah i know but i mean like in terms of the story you know there i suppose you know because i don't know this kim and jim thing's been brought along for three seasons already uh, Kim's had her accident, which I feel is just a form of foreshadowing. Like she all Chuck Chuck died, but she almost died, um, you know. <clears throat> and she's taking a break, but um, but I mean, one feels that uh, this is a portent. The accident, yeah. it's a warning sign. But there's something coming for Kim. There yeah. must be. I don't. Yeah, there must be. Because he doesn't appear in Breaking Bad, so we've got three seasons. There are three seasons left to kill her off. That's right. Mike <laughs> and Gus get closer and closer, so I wonder how that will come about. Like, what mm. will we see there? So Mike mm -hmm. and Gus get closer and closer. We need to see Jimmy become more involved with that underworld. You know, yeah. at the minute, he's still kind of on the fringes of it. Since his storylines with Nacho, he hasn't really been involved yeah. in that side of the business. So how do they come together again? Um, yeah. A lot of unanswered questions, but we've had an introduction yep. to Saul Goodman, so the Saul Goodman character has been introduced. Yes, albeit a, sh a shitty um, TV ad salesman. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, fun times. Yeah, fun times. Mm. That's uh, it. Like us and follow us on Instagram and rate and review the podcast if you like it. Five stars, please. Mm. I think that, um, no, I, I don't want five stars. I think that's too grandiose. <laughs> you need five stars, otherwise you don't get picked up by the algorithms. Isn't that terrible though? Yeah. They always do that on Very Bad Wizards. Give us five stars. We like those five star reviews. I'm not giving them five stars because it's not, you know, five, I mean, think about five star ratings. I mean, it's very limiting. You know, I mean, even, even rating something out of 10 is limiting, but five? Yeah. Because like, the, the, the top level of a rating should be the best fucking thing ever. <laughs> you know, yeah. If everything gets rated five stars, it just diminishes. Like, the actual five star podcast. Yes. Well, that's, the problem with that, Amazon is that everything is rated five stars. You can't, like, it's hard to find a product on Amazon that isn't up at that's the right. point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, they're pretty meaningless now, aren't they? I know. It's a problem. Yep. But do it anyway, okay, listeners? Five stars. <laughs> you can. And if you, you can't give us a five star rating, don't fucking leave a rating at all. Jesus yeah. Christ. Fuck you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>
That's terrible. Yeah. You're going to have to cut this bit out. I didn't mean it. <laughs> Check us out at um, that rewindshow.com. Find all of our other podcasts there. We've got the 80s movies your kids can't miss. Mm-hmm. You should do like an 80s teen idol. Yeah. Are there 80s teen idols? I don't know. Maybe it would just be very repetitive. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Well, well it depends. I, you see, I don't know if that would end up being too too many guys. But you think that um, there's a tendency well, in the movies the point. for... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a tendency for, um, for yeah. men. The, ten, the, 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 the tendency, with, which is changing, um, was for men to get more leading roles, right? And so that would yeah, result in right. all those teen idols being boys. Um, but yeah, I mean... And what's wrong with that? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so we've got like the eighties movies your kids can't miss. We've got eighties um, coming of age movies. Are we going to do like a nineties movie series? Should we do like were there any were there any iconic movies in the nineties? Are I'm we sure into like were. Lord of the Ring territory, or was that the early two thousands? I think that was the zeros. Um, the 90s. 90s movies. I have to do this now. I shouldn't, but I'm just going to do 90s movies. Because, you know, the main... The Jurassic Park was 90s. Yeah. Um, um, there were... There, there are, I'm sure there are some good ones that we could do. But anyway... Batman, anyway. The Batman movies with... Uh, with what's this? Take a side, okay. That's it. That's it for the Saw Rewind show. Didn't you do this already? A minute ago? No. Um, uh, but we can do it after the fact. You slide these in at the end, really. Easily. Check it out. Check out our websites for sure. About to buy wowsimon.com and wowjamie.com <laughs> for an incredible box of delights, um, which we don't know what's um, going to be in there yet. Probably nothing. Um, I was going to say something else. What was I going to say? You mentioned our 80s movie show. And uh, we are. Do you want to talk about season three? Like, what was what were your thoughts after season three? Okay, I sure. I feel like um, season three. Season three for me was just a bit of a. I don't know how I feel about it. it I liked was just it. A bit I, of, I thought we had some nice moments and some really great. Uh, you know, but then yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I felt this season had more depth, more quality, maybe overall, but it was not as. There's not as much laugh out loud humor in it, you know. We've definitely got that d- the demise of Jimmy. Like Jimmy is mm-hmm. definitely turning from a really light-hearted character into somebody that's a bit of a slime ball, you know. And that's turning the show dark, basically. Yeah, there were a yeah. few really dark moments in season three for sure. Yeah. Um, so it's enjoyable, but in a di- in a different way. Yeah. What yeah. was the highlight? I can't, I, mean, you know, I can't even remember much of season three. There wasn't that much stuff that's memorable. Yes. Um, no, I know. I mean, the, they made a big deal out of the uh, Jimmy and the tape. The two tapes, I think. I think that's uh, one of my highlights. Yeah. The effort that they made, they went to to have pairs of everything with the guy having two bags of chips. The lawyer <laughs> having two bags of chips. And yeah, uh, right. funny, funny quip there, like... Um, when he said that those are the best fats, he says too many trans fats. Those are the best fats. 
Uh, yeah, that, that lawyer, he, he was fun. And, yeah, uh, he's a great character. Yeah. And then we had a lot of uh, a lot of this Mike getting into Gus's business bullshit with Hector. And a lot of that yeah. was entertaining too. A lot of very slow, drawn-out sequences. Um, yeah. Mike and, tailing uh, the guys and his dismantling of the car. And yeah. Yeah, that was a good... It was slow, it was drawn-out and slow, but I think that's reflected in Mike's character, isn't it? Like, that's how Mike does things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Very and it works well for the series because they get to spend a lot of minutes, a lot of their show minutes doing that. But I mean, I like it. It almost feels like, like they it. were supposed to do fewer episodes, that they were surprised to get like 10 episodes and <laughs> whenever they sold the show and then they're like, oh, what are we going to do with these extra episodes? I wonder about that too. <laughs> I wonder how now it's gone on. If you're right, that's season six. That's longer than Breaking Bad. When season they, they wrapped Breaking Bad up after five seasons, but they I think they knew they were going to do that. Uh, but how many episodes were in each season? Oh, I can't remember. I have no idea. Okay. But I think it was a shorter it's show believe, overall. It? That it's hard to believe that that Saul lasts, has lasted longer than Breaking Bad. I mean, it's not just lasted longer than Breaking Bad, but lasted longer than a lot of seasons, a lot of other series do, you know? Uh, I think it's well yeah. liked. It's well liked by critics, and I understand Netflix must be getting viewers for it, or they wouldn't keep buying money into it. But, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a long-running show for sure for this day and age. You know, a lot of other shows are planned to Definitely. obsolesce within a few seasons. But I think yeah. you might be right. I think well, that just they aren't expecting it to go on and on and on. I mean, and I just wonder. That's why I wonder about this this Kim scenario. Is this been planned over several seasons or is she even going to die maybe she won't maybe she'll just move away yeah you know? yeah yeah so it kind of feels like that it feels almost like they're making it up as they go along but then but, but then we've had these long enduring storylines right with uh, chuck for example yeah. uh, but definitely um it seems like in season three they were building towards season four so they must know at least a season in advance if they're going to get another one Oh, I'd say it's got two or three years. Like, they buy a couple of years at a time. And they don't do one, one year at a time. And Breaking Bad was 62 episodes. Okay.